Greetings in the Lord Jesus. All right, so it's our communion Sunday. We heard a strange voice or two back there. Maybe we ought to ask Brother Gerald to introduce himself and his wife. Stand up and tell us who you are so we know. Yep. Gerald Martin, what's your wife's name? My wife's name is Esther. Esther, okay. I married my shorty. She's two months old. <laughs> okay. <coughs> Maybe we won't follow that trail any further right now. Caleb. Oh, okay. So he is from Brother Linden's congregation in Mississippi. And uh, Josiah has a friend here, too, by the name of Melody. So in case you see somebody else that looks a little strange. Joshua, Joshua thank you. These <laughs> some reason I do that once in a while. Sorry, Melody. <coughs> Sorry, Josiah. <laughs> and Joshua, too. <laughs> okay, all of you. Uh, all right. Uh, the title this morning is just, Why Communion? And I thought we would just take a look through the New Testament at the passages that talk about the communion. So we'll start in Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26. And I thought about a while ago I could say, well, I'm not going to try to cover the subject completely, but that's always... Uh, young ministers, we tend to, as I remember watching some others and remembering myself, we, we take a subject and we think we're going to cover it completely. But you never do. You just never do. So we're not even going to try today. Just notice a few things along the way. Matthew 26, we'll start at verse 20, which I'm reading a little bit here to get context. Now when the even was come, he sat down with the twelve. And as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful, and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The Son of Man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? And he said unto him, Thou hast said. And I wanted to read that partly just to remind us that this was kind of a somber, sober time and the discussion was fairly heavy and I don't know what all the disciples were thinking. But Verse 26, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it, or gave thanks, the margin says, and break it, and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup, and gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. 
But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung in him, they went out into the Mount of Olives. If you keep your finger there and turn over to Mark 14, we'll just read Mark's version real quickly and then come back here. Mark's is very similar. Mark 14. Twenty-two, Mark 14:22, and as they did eat, Jesus took bread and blessed and brake it and gave to them and said, "Take, eat. This is my body." And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said unto them, "This is my blood of the new testament, which is shed for many. Verily I say unto you, I will drink no more of the fruit of the vine until that day that I drink it new in the kingdom of God." And when they had sung in him a psalm, that is, they went out into the Mount of Olives. All right, back in Matthew's kind of where I was thinking from. Why communion? Well, number one, because Jesus commanded it. Here they were, the twelve, the disciples, these followers of Jesus, and Jesus told them to do it. He gave them an example and said, do this in remembrance of me. That's simple enough. We are disciples. We do what our master says. Number two, it symbolizes the new covenant. Verse 28, this is my blood of the new testament, the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. They knew about the old covenant. They knew that it involved a lot of shed blood. They knew that the Shedding of blood was necessary for the remission of sins. And I noticed both in Matthew and Mark that uh, it says his blood is shed for many. It isn't until you get to Luke that he says it's shed for you. Well, it's all the same account, but Luke, Luke uh, got that part at least. <clears throat> all right, so he commanded it for his disciples. It symbolizes a new covenant, one built on better things. We could go to Hebrews and talk about those better things all morning. The blood of Jesus Christ. Behold the Lamb of God. Do it in remembrance of me. Well, let's go on to chapter, Luke chapter 22. We'll note a few more of those things as we go. Luke 22. And when the hour was come, oh, this is verse 14, Luke 22:14. And when the hour was come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, With desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Or the word heartily is in there in the margin. I have desired heartily to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And then it feels like he's repeating things here, but uh, I think that was the Passover cup. And now we get to the new 
version, the communion cup. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave to them saying, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of him that betrayeth me is with me on the table. And truly the Son of Man goeth as it was determined, but woe unto that man by whom he is betrayed. And if you keep reading two verses later, there was a strife among them who shall be the greatest. Well, anyway, I guess we won't go there either. They were human. All right, why communion? Number three, it symbolizes our deliverance. You look at those first few verses and you have the Passover. Well, we know what the Passover was about. It was deliverance from Egypt. Israel's, they look back to that every year at Passover time, remembering their deliverance. Jesus says, now it's going to be fulfilled. I won't partake of this again until I do it fulfilled in the kingdom of heaven. Verse 16, the kingdom of God. The Passover is over and done with. No longer do they look back to, do we look back to the deliverance from Egypt. We look back to another deliverance. <laughs> well, we'll wait till we get there. But this one will be fulfilled too, by the way. All right, number four, we do it in remembrance of Jesus. These all say that, do this in remembrance of me, or do it for a remembrance, or do it for a memorial of me. Do it to remember. Set up a memorial service and remember me. Remember what? His suffering? Yes. His death? Yes. But is that all it's about, so that we just remember those things? Or is there a reason to remember those things? Well, we, we know there's a reason. There's, there's some purpose in this. Do it as a memorial. And again, here in verse 20, my blood which is shed for you, he told them. What do you reckon the apostles, the disciples thought that night? Jesus often said things that sounded sort of strange to them and they didn't understand and I think probably this was one of those times to some degree. Jesus hadn't died yet. They soon found out and he soon taught them, I'm sure. We know. How many times have you come up against something that you're trying to puzzle your way through and it doesn't make sense. <clears throat> but give it a little time, go through a, a death experience and then it starts to make sense after a while. Well, anyway, let's go on to 1 Corinthians 10. There in Acts chapter 2, I won't read it, but those those New Testament believers after the Spirit came, it says there they were breaking bread together and then it says they were breaking bread from house to house. It seems like they got a hold of this thing and were really, we assume it's talking about 
They were holding communion together. Sure. It doesn't say positively, but it may have been. And I could see that all of a sudden, this made good sense. And they started remembering it. I still remember as a, a young Christian going through a, oh, they called it discipleship together back then in Virginia Conference, uh, where a, an older Christian and a younger Christian were supposed to work together for a number of months to read some books and meet and do things like that. And uh, Dwight Heatwell, the pastor at Morning View, and I worked together through that time. And I still remember him saying once, he said, I would just like for you to get to the place that when you sit down to the table and take a piece of bread, that every time you remember Jesus. Well, I don't. But it's still a pretty good idea when you break that bread at your table after a while. Maybe there won't be any, I don't know. Why not remember Jesus and his broken body? All right, 1 Corinthians 10. Context here is eating meat offered to idols. And Paul is telling them why they shouldn't do that in this particular part of the chapter. Verse 15. I speak as the wise man, judge ye what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion or fellowship of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. And he gives another example. Behold, Israel after the flesh, are, they, are not they which eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What shall I say then, that the idol is anything, or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? But I say, and then he just goes on to say, He's using this as an example to say, don't eat meat offered to idols because it, or don't knowingly do it because it, put you in fellowship with them. And he says, our meal, the cup that we bless, the bread that we break, it's the communion of Christ. It puts us in communion with him. And so, number five, why communion? It symbolizes our union with, our fellowship with, our making of Christ. The, the focus in this ordinance is not bread or the cup it's not even ourselves partaking of it the focus is the Lord Jesus Christ his body broken his blood shed him being our all and us <laughs> gathered around him partaking of him <clears throat> you could go back to John chapter 6 and maybe I will this passage is not about the communion service but I'd like to read it now and then anyway. It's a chapter about bread. And we'll just start in at verse 47. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. 
Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead, but he that eats of this bread shall live forever. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is an hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew it himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? What? And if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before, it is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there be some of you which believe not. And maybe we'll just stop there. Eat his flesh, drink his blood, live by him. And so, our little, quote, meal this morning symbolizes our life in Christ. I live by him, by partaking on him. If I'm not partaking on him, I'll die. Six, why communion? Because it symbolizes our communion, our common union in Christ. Our fellowship. We together gather around the Lord Jesus and partake of him. Together. And I'm dividing these, I'm splitting hairs a little thin here, but uh, number seven, why? Because it symbolizes our unity in Christ. We are together. When we gather closely around the Lord Jesus, it brings us together in him. Verse 17 here. We being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. Verse 17 gives up a, a new meaning to the words the body of Christ in uh, verse 16. Is it not the communion of the body of Christ? Not just his broken body that we're thinking about, but the body. We are partakers together, one of another. Verse 17, you want to make bread? What do you do with those grains of wheat? How do you make bread with them? You grind them up. You crush them. And once the bread is made, do you find little grains of wheat here and there? You find a loaf. One. You want the church to operate like it's supposed to? Well, there's part of the secret. You make grape juice, what happens to the grapes? They're crushed. You see, this ordinance this morning, again, I say, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's not even about us. It's about the Lord Jesus and his body. That's the important thing. So what's really important in the body? This one grain? That one grain? No. No. All the grains broken and crushed together 
forming his body. Well, that means death to us, death to me. Actually, it means death to me and death to you, individually, personally. Each one of us. There's no other way. That's the way we follow him. We call him Lord. That's the way he took. That's the way we take. And so my wants and my ambitions and my rights. How many of you have ever seen the little book called Have We No Right? An old couple of you have. It was written by a missionary back in the 40s or 50s. I'm not sure. And she basically answers that question saying, we have no rights. We have no rights. We have the right to die. We have the right to give ourselves to Christ. Other people can run all over us. They can hate us. They can say nasty things about us. doesn't give us any right to... <laughs> Brothers and sisters in Christ sometimes do those things. We have no right to get upset. We have no right to react other than like Jesus did. Thought about this song this morning. You don't have to turn to it. I'll just give you one verse. Let the envenomed heart and tongue, the hand outstretched to do me wrong, excite no feelings in my breast as Jesus once expressed. So we're talking about unity in Christ, and that's how we do it. Love, forbearance, <laughs> no rights. Why communion? Well, number eight. Looking here at verses 20 to 22, where he switches over to talking about sacrifices, to idols and those kind of things. There are spiritual realities involved in that. There's, he, he tells them earlier, There's just because it was offered to an idol doesn't make it bad. Just because we bless this bread and this cup this morning doesn't turn it into the body and blood of Christ like the Catholics would teach you it does. It's still bread. It's still the cup. But to partake of it this morning involves spiritual realities. Not in the drink itself, not in the bread itself, but in you, in my heart. It makes a difference the way we partake. We'll go on to another passage that helps clarify that. The next chapter in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 11. We'll start at verse 17 and just read the rest of the chapter. They had a problem with their communion services at Corinth. Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not that you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. And by the way, the, those words come together show up in this passage a number of times. This is a together ordinance. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it where there also must be heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. When you come together, therefore, unto one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. 
or the margin says, you cannot eat the Lord's Supper, for in eating ever taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry and another is drunken. What? Have you not houses to eat and drink in? Or despise ye the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he brake it, and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye, as oft as ye drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation or judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that you come together, that you come not together unto condemnation. And the rest I will set in order when I come. What made these people unworthy to eat? What was their attitudes toward each other? Some were selfish. Looked down their noses at others or something, I'm not sure. There were divisions. Uh, the margin says schisms or schisms, I guess is the proper way to pronounce it. There were heresies or sects, hard word to pronounce, divisions, party spirit among them. You cannot partake of the communion worthily if you have a party spirit. It just doesn't work. Me first-ism, call it that if you want. Verse 21, everyone takes another before, or takes his supper before another. And I don't know what all was going on there, whether this was the love feast that went with it or exactly how it all worked. But they had problems and Paul knew about it. Verse 22, he says, you're despising the church. Verse 29, at the end of the verse, not discerning the Lord's body. And I looked at that and I wondered, well, so what does he mean, not discerning the Lord's body? Is he talking about the bread? I don't think so. He's talking about the Lord's body, the one I'm a part of. Well, he may be also talking about what I partake of. How can I be a partaker of the Lord Jesus when my attitude and my heart is not right toward my brother or sister? And so he says, 
Here's the purpose of this meal, verses, well, 23 and 24, 25, 26. Here's what I received from the Lord. Do this in remembrance of me, Jesus said. It's about Christ. It's not about us. It's not about me. It's not about you. Unselfishness, unchristlikeness in my life disqualifies me. And so, yes, there are definite spiritual ramifications in our partaking of this small meal, if you want to call it that, this morning. Verses 27 to 31 talks about partaking unworthily and the results of it. And, and I'm not here to try to tell you what all that means, but I think it's real. I know it's real. Why communion? Number nine, that was eight. I think I said that. Verse 26, we show forth the Lord's death. We proclaim the Lord's death. We give witness to it. We announce the Lord's death, were some of the other words I saw when I looked in a number of other versions. We testify to the Lord's death. The Lord's death. The Son of God himself. We proclaim it. We confess it. We are saying took the death of God's Son to put me into this body, this body of the redeemed, to bring me into the kingdom. It took his death. And I'm proclaiming it. It took his death to cleanse me of sin. That's just how bad I was. It takes his death. It still takes his blood to stay clean. And furthermore, we're confessing and proclaiming that he is the Lord. It's the Lord's death. We are his disciples. And again, I say, we follow him. If it meant death for him, it means death for us. It is enough for the servant that it be like the master. And why communion? Just one last one. We do it till he comes when it will be fully fulfilled. This meal, too, will come to an end. We'll stop having communion services as we know them until it becomes reality what we are symbolizing and, and we are with the Lord. The Bible talks about the marriage supper of the Lamb. So we sup with him, we sup on him. He is our life, he is our source of life, he's our sustenance. Here and now and this morning when we partake, we remember that. And yes, we remember his suffering, we remember what it took. Should. It's a good thing for us to stop and to think about the pain and the agony. We're human. We know what it feels like a little bit. He knows. And he knows for your sake. But again, just as Christ fulfilled that Passover and gave us this little fulfillment meal this morning, this one will also be fulfilled.
fully, finally, will be with him. Right. Anything any of you would like to say yet this morning, we'll give you an opportunity. This communion time has been different so far. It'll be a little different again today. I'm going to let uh, JP and John distribute the emblems this morning. Uh, and then, uh, because we've been <clears throat> sort of busy the last month, we haven't got around to having a meeting and deciding who should be in charge of the foot washing meditation. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to speak. Tell us what you think, some of you brethren. When you think about the feet washing meditation, that's what we'll do when we get there. So uh, you can start thinking about that after communion service here. <clears throat> 